Welcome to Coffee with Kojo, a podcast produced by the School of Communication and Journalism at South Dakota State University. My name is Rocky Daly, and I'm an associate professor in the school. In this episode, we visit with David Bordewick, who is the executive director of the South Dakota Newspaper Association and former director of South Dakota Newswatch. Graduate student McCade Iverson spoke with David about his work and experience in journalism. You are the executive director for the South Dakota Newspaper Station, and you were the South. You were the executive director for South Dakota Newswatch. Correct. Can you, can you tell us a little bit about those organizations and what your position with them entails? Sure. So first, South Dakota Newspaper Association, which is the trade association that represents all of the newspapers in South Dakota, all 120 weekly and daily newspapers. Uh, pay dues to belong to South Dakota Newspaper Association. And we're based here in Brookings. And we have a staff of, uh, of uh, five, including myself, that support and, and administer the, uh, the, the work of that association. And so <clears throat> we do lots of programs and services for, on behalf of newspapers, inc- including lobbying and peer on um, First Amendment issues and open government issues. Uh, we also we, uh, promote and, and sell advertising into newspapers across the state and would provide training and legal advice and other programs and services for the newspapers. So lots going on there and um, just a great organization. So and I, and I've been with SDNA since 1995. And then so South Dakota Newswatch, where I had been executive director until until February 1st when I stepped down from that role, uh, just because I was learning, I, wearing dual hats the past year was getting to be a quite the, quite the uh, task. But uh, South Dakota Newswatch is a Nonprofit independent journalism uh, news organization. And so um, Newswatch reports stories of statewide interest and impact and shares those stories for free with the public, uh, either through their own website or their social media channels, and also through traditional uh, news outlets in South Dakota. All the content that Newswatch creates is shared with the newspapers and the broadcast outlets in South Dakota. So often you will see those bylines and stories that originate with South Dakota Newswatch uh, and uh, and show up in, in uh, newspapers and TV and radio across the state. Sure, yeah. And what kind of things do you get to do in your role with those organizations? Sure, yeah. So, yeah. so you know, uh, for instance, right now, one of the primary uh, roles that I have is as a lobbyist, chief lobbyist for the South Dakota Newspaper Association, like I said, because we advocate for newspapers and for First Amendment and freedom of press issues in, in peer. So I spend most of my time come uh, January, February, and early March in peer during the legislative session, talking to legislators, working with government officials, and advocating for fair and free press, advocating for open government issues, advocating for uh, First Amendment and defending newspapers and the role that they have within within our, our state. And um, so that that's obviously a, a very primary task. And that work also kind of continues on throughout the year. It's not just something that's limited to the, the 40-day or 35-day legislative session, but it's, it's work that happens throughout the year. And also advocate for newspapers at the federal level as well, too, involved with our national organizations to, to promote and and advocate for uh, newspapers and First Amendment issues in Washington, D.C., and have, have done that as well, working with our congressional delegation. And then beyond that, it's also just, you know, as an executive director, just making sure that our organization 
uh, working with our board of directors, which is made up of publishers and editors of, of various newspapers from across state, working with that board to make sure that our association is solid and is supporting and serving the newspapers well and doing the programs and services that our newspapers uh, need and, and uh, can benefit from. And, and, uh, and so just making sure that all those tasks are handled uh, and so forth. And with that South Dakota News Watch, what I, and when I was executive director of Zero, as well as sort of a lot of the same thing. We didn't lobby at South Dakota News Watch, mm -hmm. but we uh, have uh, a two-person news team there uh, being responsible for, you know, administering the work that they do and overseeing the uh, the, uh, uh, the work there, and as well as very involved with the fundraising uh, for South Dakota News Watch because South Dakota News Watch relies solely on contributions and grants and donations to support itself and sustain itself. And they take about a quarter million dollars a year in order to, to be sustainable. So uh, a lot of the work there was is involved with fundraising. And so even though I'm not executive director right now, South Dakota Newspaper Association is still supporting Newswatch and, and doing some work with them in terms of providing some administrative support and, and, and work that helps with the fundraising, so. Awesome, yeah, very cool. So you also graduated from SDSU. As an alum, how do you feel that your college experience kind of prepped you for, you know, the quote unquote real world? Yeah, uh, well, uh, in, in, in a word uh, or two, a lot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it really was, I tell you, um, those were very, uh, very important and formative years in terms of both my education and, and, and preparing for my profession. I, I came to SDSU because I was, I wanted to be a journalist. I uh, worked for the hometown paper when I was in high school uh, and uh, did some reporting in, in, in our school newspaper and so forth and participated in journalism camps at SDSU when I was in high school and just really became in love with journalism and, and really excited about it. And, and so uh, it was sort of a no brainer to come to South Coast State University for journalism uh, because it's such a great program. And um, so, and it really was, I mean, the, the training and the education that I received uh, was, you know, uh, just tremendous and really, really good. And it's, it's because of number one, because of the, the, the people I went to school with, the fellow students and people that became lifelong friends uh, that I, that I developed while I'm going to school, but it was also just the strength of, of the program and the, and the people that were involved with the, the journalism program, the faculty, people like uh, Dr. Richard Lee, who was longtime head of the uh, journalism program, and uh, DJ Klein, a longtime uh, professor, and uh, Roger Van Almerman and others, just really, really wonderful people who I aspired to, to learn from and, and, and did and, uh, and still use those things today in terms of trying to, uh, to be a good journalist and, and, and support the industry. So it was, it was, uh, it was really a tremendous experience. And I know you mentioned you did some stuff throughout high school that kind of like sparked your interest in journalism. Yeah. Did you do any sort of like internships or anything or really anything outside of the classroom during your time at SCSU? Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, it was a combination of, you know, uh, a few summers where I worked uh, when I was going to school at SDSU, I worked for the hometown paper because it, because it was easy to do because my brother owned the newspaper. So oh. <laughs> I went to work for, yeah, went to work for my brother and, and that, uh, so that was easy to, to kind of get a foot in the door that yeah, way. You had a good in. Get a good in, exactly. <laughs> but um, also worked at a couple other newspapers uh, in internships as well when I was, when I was working, uh, going to school. And then also worked at the, uh, the collegiate, the student independent newspaper desk issue. And, and uh, 
all four years I was there, I was involved with the collegian. And that experience uh, as well was just a tremendous, valuable part of my overall education experience at SDSU, having that sort of hands-on uh, you know, engagement and in, in working on in journalism uh, every week uh, on campus really, really uh, helped a lot. So. so what other sort of positions have you had throughout your career that led to the leadership role that you're currently in? Yeah. So, you know, um, back in um, the early 1990s, and this is going back a ways because I graduated <laughs> in 1984, which is a long time ago, okay. right? But um, uh, in the early 1990s, my wife and I were living in Minnesota, in the St. Cloud, Minnesota area. My wife, Sherry, who's also an SDSU journalism graduate, uh, she was, uh, and I were working in uh, St. Cloud area. And I was uh, editor of a magazine that served the uh, community banking industry. Uh, it was a trade association magazine uh, that went primarily to small town banks across the nation. And um, and that was that was a result, I think, because I had you know developed reporting and writing and editing skills as a journalist, and so that that uh, that organization that magazine uh, you know brought me on board to to edit their monthly magazine. But at that time, um, it became uh, aware that uh, that South Dakota Newspaper Association, the uh, the uh, my predecessor Keith Jensen, would be retiring in in 1996, and so in 1995, SDNA. Uh, began a search to to find someone to come on board to uh, take over when Keith retired, and so I was fortunate enough to be hired in 1995. And so my wife and I, you know, just viewed that as a, just a wonderful opportunity. Number one, to get back to Brookings, which we love. I mean, having both gone to school here and and, and lived here and so forth, and um, but also be involved with an organization such as South Dakota Newspaper Association, which works with all the newspapers in South Dakota and, and works to promote and further enhance journalism, newspaper journalism. It just like, wow, this, it was a no brainer. It was just a great opportunity and just jumped at it. And I, I really view that as, you know, again, all those steps along the way, including my education at SDSU sort of helped create that pathway to, to create that excellent to professional opportunity that came uh, came about in the mid 1990s. When did you become the executive director for SDNA? Yeah, so, so I, I started in 1995 with SDNA okay. as associate director, and that was an anticipation oh, okay. of Keith's retirement in 1996. And so uh, started in 95, he retired in the spring of 1996, and then I stepped into the role as executive director at that time. Yeah. Okay, sure. How many employees are there for SDNA? Do you so have we, a lot of people? We presently have five people employed here at SDNA. Okay. And, uh, you know, a, a lot of the work that we're doing, like I said, it's involved with our advertising sales because mm -hmm. we have um, a lot of, we work with a lot of businesses and clients and ad agencies that, that want to advertise in multiple newspapers. And rather than them having to contact each newspaper and, and work with that advertising, they can come to us and we sort of are a one-stop shop to do that. And so that's a big part of what we do. And so that, that work, though, involves a lot of, you know, people involved hands-on to make that all happen. So that's a big, big part of what we do uh, at SDNA. And then we also have, for instance, an annual convention for our newspapers, which is a big event. And, and, and along with that is our annual newspapers contest where we, you know, uh, newspapers compete and are judged for some of their best work in terms of writing, editing, photography, and so forth. And so we administer that contest. And so, you know, putting on that annual convention, 
obviously is also a big task. And so that's a big part of what we do here as well. When do the contests and the convention happen? Is there something or a time that yeah. our listeners could like look out for? Good question, because uh, normally, uh, traditionally, our convention is held in the spring of the year. And uh, we so last year we were going to have our convention at the end of April in Deadwood. And um, of course, then with uh, the onset of COVID-19 pandemic, uh, we ended up canceling last year's convention only about the second time in the 130 plus year history of our association where oh, that wow. convention had been canceled. So you think about that, what that meant. And then, um, so so we rescheduled for this spring. Uh, a year ago, we said, well, well, we'll meet again in the spring of uh, 2021 in Deadwood. You know, by then it'll all be good and great. Well, you know, uh, as we got later into the year and the, sort of the first of this year, we realized that the spring of this year may not be the best time to be holding a convention either. So currently our plan is to hold our 2021 convention in October in Deadwood. So we sort of have our fingers crossed that things will work out and we'll be able to host that convention uh, and October 14, 15, 16 out in Deadwood. So, and the, the kind of the neat thing, something we've done in recent years, uh, McCabe, is that we've, we've uh, every other year, we've done a joint convention with members of the North Dakota Newspaper Association. Mm. So this year, they are planning to join us in Deadwood, members of the North Dakota newspapers and sort of a two-state convention. So we're hoping that it, it can work and we can pull it off and get people there to gather safely and, and have a great time. So who was able to go to this? Is this something that anybody can go to, or is this something that you, yeah. Know, so, you need so, to be... so, so the convention is, is primarily is, it's open to, you know, our the newspapers of our association, those who work at our newspapers of, 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 uh, across South Dakota, as well as, as North Dakota mm-hmm. uh, staffers, editors, reporters, publishers, photographers, uh, other staff members of those newspapers are eligible as well as, uh, for instance, students at SDSU and, and other journalism programs across state, we've always uh, opened the doors. So if there are journalism students who are interested in participating in, in attending that convention, number one, it's a great opportunity to uh, hear some great speakers and some great programs related to journalism and, and what, uh, what that's all about. But also you meet a lot of great people as well. So for instance, as a journalism student, if you're looking to go out in the field the next year or two or looking for an internship or a job, um, the convention is always a great way to sort of kind of network, right? To meet some folks. And so we've always said, yes, we, we make that, uh, that event open and available to journalism students as well. So again, you go to our website, sdna.com or, uh, or um, you know, contact me directly. We'll be getting information uh, later this year as we get closer to the event. We really haven't put together a lot of the specifics yet for the convention just because it's a ways out yet. Mm-hmm. But so that'll be coming definitely. So and uh, being out in Deadwood, it'll be a lot of fun. So yeah, I think a lot of our students will be happy to hear about an opportunity like that if they don't already know. Because yeah, it sounds like a great networking opportunity. So it really is, and it's a great educational opportunity as well. And yeah. like I said, we also showcase the results of our of our annual contests, so you get to see uh, you know some of the journalists from the various newspapers who are winning awards and as well. So yeah, good yeah. stuff. Kind of a random question that goes a little bit off of what we've been talking about, but. Are there any certain stories that you've covered throughout your career that have been super memorable? Yeah, wow. You know, um, I remember, um, and this was after I had graduated um, at South Coast State, and and uh, I was working for again back in the home 
country from my brother uh, down in Douglas County. At that time, he had uh, he was publishing not only the Corsica Globe, but also two other newspapers, the Armour Chronicle, the Delmont Record. He had, he had acquired those two newspapers. So he he brought me back to to be editor of those two newspapers and um, the Armour and Delmont newspapers. And I remember at that time, this was this was later 1987, 1988. And um, the uh, county owned hospital in Douglas County was in uh, was in threat of being closed, of, of financially just not being able to sustain itself and closing its doors. And I remember at the time, uh, we at the newspaper sort of said, look, we, we really got to cover this issue. We got to make sure that, that residents and our subscribers and readers really understand what's at stake here if this hospital, local hospital, were to close and what that would mean for local residents. And so I remember that, you know, we really just made a very conscious effort to to cover that story aggressively. And it wasn't just a one week thing or, you know, kind of a one story thing, but it was over a period of time, several months actually, where we sort of stepped up that coverage. And in, um, I don't want to say that, that our coverage is what, you know, saved the hospital because that's not true. But I do think the, the fact that we gave good news coverage of what was happening and how things were developing and unfolding really helped you know, the local citizens be better informed about it, as well as then be prepared to make the decisions that ultimately led to the hospital uh, staying open and, 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 and still open today and sustainable. So that that is something that, you know, to me sort of uh, drove home the importance and significance of what community journalism is about, you know, uh, uh, covering the issues locally uh, because no one else is there covering it. You know, I mean, if you're the local newspaper, you want to be engaged and involved in knowing what those issues are. And um, I think that just really, for me, drove home the uh, the importance and the value of what community journalism is all about. How old were you when this happened? At what point of your career were you at? You know, so, so this was, like I said, I graduated at SDSU in 1984. Okay. This was, uh, this was you know, three, four years later. This is 1987, 88, even into 89. I, I, again, it's been in several months. So, you know, um, I was still really young then <laughs> as opposed to today. Yeah. But it was, um, but it was, it was, like I said, it was just, it was, it was, it was something that's always stuck with me is, is how that story sort of unfolded and all the things that were involved with it. Yeah. So probably pretty exciting for the hospital and the community. And yeah, yeah, it really was. I mean, you know, um, um, it just, it just, it meant a lot. And, and, and like I said, and, and the fact today that that hospital is still there and serving mm-hmm. those communities, um, I think, you know, speaks volumes to the decisions that were made um, back then by the residents at that time. So, yeah. Yeah. Do you still have that newspaper? Uh, I do. Yeah. I've got, yeah. I've, I've still got uh, clips and copies of those newspapers. That, yeah, definitely. Yeah. 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 Those are probably fun to look back. Yeah, on, that so. is, it is kind of fun to look at as, as well as you sort of look back at it too, uh, McKay and you go, Oh my gosh, I was really young then. Look at, <laughs> look at my writing or look at the editing here. Like I could have been a lot better, could have done yeah. a lot better. But again, when you're at a, at a small newspaper, and it, and it was small. This was just, you know, a, a couple of us working at each paper. You get to, you, you do a lot, right? You got to wear many hats mm-hmm. and, and lots of different roles. So, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, you look back and say, oh yeah, that could have been better. But yeah, at the same time, um, you were doing the best you could with what you had at the time too. So, yeah. I mean, that's kind of journalism in a nutshell, I guess, is like things are always changing and 
Right. And, and you just, yeah. and you just, you got to do the best you can with what you got at the time and, and, mm-hmm. you know, to get the story to, uh, to report what you can and do what you can. And, yeah. uh, and so long as you've got, you know, <clears throat> those, those fundamental skills behind you though, and that training to, to, you know, to, to know how to you know, seek out the news and report the news, you know, that that's, that's what it's all about. Right. And, 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 and to communicate that news, if you have those skills, then um, everything else falls into place. Yeah. yeah. To kind of end things off here, what advice do you have for current students that are interested in a path similar to yours? Sure. Well, so here's here's what I would uh, advise is, number one, obviously, take advantage of all the opportunities before you as a student. And that includes things like whether it be working with at the Collegian uh, or or the, the radio station and, and other uh, sort of other opportunities that avail themselves, internships as well. Even if, you know, even if it's not a, an official internship, but if you can create opportunities to do work uh, with a with a news organization, whether it be newspaper or digital outlet or TV radio, do it. Take advantage of that because the experience you gain from that uh, just enhances and adds so much to the classroom experience. And that really, really is is what it's all about is, is having that uh, those those. Uh, hands-on experiences as a, as a student journalist and as a developing journalist. And so I just encourage you to take advantage of all those opportunities and, uh, and, and, you know, they will serve you well going, going forward. I know we've had another guest on the podcast in the past that, and I don't know what your insight would be on this, but she mentioned to kind of just reach out to any local newspaper or, you know, any, any place that writes. And a lot of times they'll let you, they'll let you do it. Like you don't really, yes. yeah. you know, they, they're more than willing to let you help them out. So, so, and that's a good point you made because McCade, because I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, um, so often you hear about, you know, or I'll, I'll get questions from just members of the general public about, well, you know, how long are newspapers going to be around or, you know, when are they going to, when are newspapers going to fade away? And I say, well, I don't know. I said, we're still here today and for the foreseeable future, certainly. And, and I said, but what I do know is that, journalism needs to stay around we need journalism in our society and in our in our way of life in our in america in order to have a better better society in a strong country um uh, journalism is so important and so um i do encourage uh, students to 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 reach out and don't be afraid even be contact us at sdna contact myself and we'll put you in touch with uh, with folks who are who i will tell you there are lots of openings for journalists right now at newspapers across South Dakota. They are hiring um, because they just are having a hard time filling some of these positions. Now, obviously, it's some of it's because, you know, well, not everyone wants to live in X community somewhere in the state. But I will tell you this, the experience that you gain at working, uh, working for a community newspaper uh, creates some skills and training that will, you know, will serve you well, regardless of what your future may hold. So, yeah, there are plenty of opportunities out there. Our next episode will be available on March 12th. This podcast is a property of the School of Communication and Journalism at South Dakota State University, which reserves all rights to its use. Music by Cody M. Johnson and Tyler Addison James is licensed through AMP Music. Music.